Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode's gonna be a little bit different than what we usually do. If you've been listening to the show, we kind of just go along chronologically through the years. We're on 1991. But um, there's been kind of a desire for the fans to talk about animation again. Jacob's too busy, and I thought, well, <laughs> I've been putting it off forever, but my uh, guest, Andrew, um, you know what, we, you and I have been talking about what to do over the last two years, and I keep, like, flip-flopping. I apologize. No wrestling right now. Maybe I'll be in the mood <laughs> later. But there's so much to cover in wrestling, and I think that there's so much of it that I, I feel like I'm just regurgitating what everybody else is doing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely great to be back. I know we've we've talked over uh, like a couple of years now, just trying to figure out what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about, and how we're going to, uh, of course, extend our nerdums, everybody. Yeah, you know, we thought about doing like Royal Rumble, you know, like go through the years of the big events, but you know, you and I are have different eras of wrestling, so that didn't really work. But the one thing that does work uh, for us is going back to animation, and while we have covered a lot. Uh, of the stuff in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s we've kind of skipped a lot of the animated movies and of course there's still I have a whole list I want to show you later of series that we've missed on the show we can pick some there but what a lot what's great is like you and I we can do this at our leisure we're not stuck on a schedule like the way the rest of the show is because you're super busy I'm super lazy <laughs> I've chosen a lazy lifestyle, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it's all good. I mean, luckily we were able to find find the time. It's the biggest thing. I yeah. Know. Well, I, I, you had the time. I was just putting it off because I was so <laughs> drowning. But trying to somewhat line it up, though. So we're just wrapping up in '91. So I figured it was a good time to discuss the era of Disney where they basically saved themselves from bankruptcy, and a lot of people don't remember or don't know that. In the 80s, they were so close to just being done. Did you know that? Yeah, I've, I've seen different uh, stories and little docuseries, especially when it comes to like Disneyland and what to do with, with the theme park and things like that. And, and they've touched on it a little bit in some of those um, little things that I watch. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Disney lover, so anything about the land or like that, sometimes I'm, I mean, I'm into, but... Yeah, I, I did know that they were they were on the brink of, of folding up and uh, and everything, especially with their, their theme parks. And yeah, well, the biggest thing was the movies just were they were getting more expensive and they weren't connecting. And everybody loves Tron now, but at the time it only broke even, and that's after all the video sales, TV sales. Black Hole was a huge tank, um, and just think like Condor Man. These movies that no one even thinks about, but the one that really got close to destroying them was Black Cauldron, a very, very ambitious, expensive movie that they couldn't even finish the story of, and it did terrible. Or Return to Oz, also, you know, just didn't make any money, cost a fortune. And what kept them alive was the TV division. They were doing lower-budget family films and selling them to ABC. Ironic that later they would buy ABC. Um, and then the Touchstone division, you know, they were doing, like, the, the Bette Midler and... and uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus movies and those are doing well but they had to focus on the original division and I think while Oliver and Company isn't one of their best it is a direction in the right direction uh, what did you think of, have, this is the first time you've seen Oliver and Company uh, no I've seen it when I was younger uh, I think the biggest thing with Oliver and Company that I can remember that sticks out like right away uh, and I mean back back when I was a kid it probably wasn't the best of things but I knew uh, who you know, Chi and Chong were. Uh, so 
being as though Cheech Marin is the voice of, of one of the characters, it's like one of the things that sticks out in, in my memory when I think of Oliver Company, I think of his character in that. Yeah. You know, Cheech and Chong were, and, and that started, I think, the like one of the first, well, I think Rescue Down Under started it with Dan Aykroyd, but I know back then there weren't famous people voice acting. Right. There, it wasn't a thing. It was, you would get a few, like Dom DeLuise had already established himself. Like in uh, The Secret of Nim, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I think Roddy McDowell, he's kind of a cult name. He was in The Great Mouse Detective. But this thing is completely packed with names in one way or another. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the, I mean, you know, nowadays you can't have an animation without those big names. Like, right. There's no such thing. <laughs> there's, there's, and if, if there are at least a lead, uh, you know, a voice actor that's famous it's, it's usually a lot of sporting cast a lot of people from that i have that name recognition now but back then you know like there are a lot of movies you know where it was a a supporting role that a voice actor was someone famous or something you knew from before right even now the direct video movies that you see on the shelf is you know, you'll never even heard of the movie but there will still be like some names like oh i know who rob schneider is and you know the, the john heater and stuff like that yeah. It's almost required now that the, and, and a lot of it's really easy. Apparently, you just bring them in for a couple of days, you know, knock it out, and, and you know they don't have to pay them a whole lot, um, unless the movie's successful, like Shrek, where all of a sudden they have to pay everybody fifteen, twenty million dollars. <laughs> and then of course they you know make five or six different ones and want them to come back and <laughs> yeah, uh, and merch. There's you know there's merch deals now, but back then I bet you Disney had nothing in mind. I don't recall any sort of toys until maybe. Maybe Beauty and the Beast, maybe Aladdin. I don't recall yeah, it being a thing. I, I don't see any. I don't remember any action figures. I do remember, of course, like the the McDonald's Happy Meal type yeah. uh, toys, but nothing nothing that you can go into like a Target and buy, or like a Toys R Us at the time and buy a few full lineup of, of merchandise and toys and shirts and whatever else that they have. Does ice cream. Yeah. Does on. McDonald's even do that anymore? Because that was a huge thing for decades. Is that movie tie-ins and McDonald's? Yeah, it's, uh, I know right now they have Sonic going. Oh, okay. Sonic, uh, I know a couple months, maybe years now back, they did some, like, Disney, like, little, little figurines. They had, like, another genie. I mean, I've got kids, so you know, the one, one place they want to eat is McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, the toys are, of course, the only thing that's important to them. So <laughs> they've had, they've had uh, the, the, some Disney, they brought... Uh, some little figurine statues you can't really articulate them right they just are supposed to stand there but you know my kids say they, they definitely tried to make a move and broke a few <laughs> the uh and again, so this kind of changed the formula not only does it uh add a lot of comedy which i think was kind of missing throughout the 80s in animation um it wasn't derived from a toy which was a big thing during the mid 80s you know transformers the movie gi joe pound puppies you know stuff like that every single popular toy line had um, a movie connected to it, and the bringing back the lush, bright animation that they were known for instead of the darker, more complex stuff that was kind of prevalent during the early 80s. So you can see that they're taking steps in the right direction. Um, though I think it was intensely stupid for them to open this the same day <laughs> as Land Before Time. What were they thinking? Yeah. And it only made half. Can you imagine a Disney animated movie opening at $4 million today? Yeah. You would never hear the end of it. Like, oh, Disney's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean, Land Before Time is a, a huge. I mean, that was one of the the biggest things as a kid. I remember 
watching and, and watching over and over repeatedly and probably driving my mom crazy uh, wanting to watch it. But uh, that's such a, such a classic movie there. Oliver and Company, I, I wasn't, it wasn't until I was a little older that I started getting into it and started yeah. watching it. Uh, but definitely a, a memorable one. It's one that I've shown my kids and they've enjoyed as well. My daughter's a huge, you know, pet, anything with pets or, or dogs, cats she's into. So this was one that she's watched a few times now. So it's always good to live in that moment. Yeah, Land Before Time, we went and saw theaters. I did not see Oliver and Company until a month ago when we started prepping for this episode. So... <laughs> somehow I missed out on this one there's a few I have never seen like I've never seen Pocahontas and we'll get to that later um, I feel like somewhere like in the mid 2000s is when I kind of stopped watching the Disney animated movies which is weird because I used to be so like into especially the Pixar line but I've kind of I haven't watched anything I think in a long time except me that Spider-Man animated movie that was it yeah like nowadays I feel like they, they partner so much with Pixar that they there aren't too many like Disney original like hand animated type of movies right now yeah it's it's the computer generated and pixar type driven animation which is which is cool to see uh but it it definitely isn't isn't in the new movies that you you typically would see as far as a a drawn animation type yeah i kind of wish that you know the point of disney plus is giving you something that they wouldn't put in theaters but i'm starting to see everything that looks like it should be in theaters even the tv shows are so expensive and I'm like, yeah. where's the stuff, where's the niche, you know, stuff that they, they should have been doing when they introduced this app? But now it just seems like all the movies look Pixar level, and nobody's bothering to do any hand-drawn animation at all. Yeah, and, and what maybe it's just time and resources, and, you know, maybe there just aren't Right, know, and in COVID, the, the yeah, pandemic yeah. slowed things down, especially for theatrical releases. Yeah, and, and well, especially, like, just the time it takes for you to draw an animation is cut down so much by something that's computer generated right i yeah i don't know if they have to do i don't know how it works if they have to do frame by frame or they can they have a program that will lead like one frame to like you know 10 frames later just by uh ai like adapting to how it's processed to save time yeah and i mean and you see some some i mean some companies just don't have that type of time and you know this is completely you know going in a different, different direction but even you know like the stop animation from leica and things that they do like those movies there hasn't been anything out yet and i'm sure that all of covid and everything has stopped anything that they have been working on but right well those... the last one bombed pretty hard i think they signed an exclusive deal with amazon so i think they're just changing venues okay but you know even those like those that, that type of stuff takes three years worth of, of shooting and yeah <laughs> changing and, and molding and all of that which is one of my favorite types of movies to watch you know like the Coraline Paranorman uh, I think it was uh, Kubo type movies right you know did I I think I told you this is that the the lady that lived below me when I lived in Hillsboro uh, Oregon worked for Leica and Leica wasn't that far away from where we lived oh wow that's awesome I got to see I think it was Box Trolls they were doing very initial like just drawings concept drawings or saw she was working on but it, it took forever to actually come to the theaters I can't remember now yeah. <laughs> um, and that would be awesome. a great one because I've only ever seen like one of the Leica films and I would love to do like a chunk of those and like the Blue Sky now Blue Sky is gone uh, mm-hmm. Disney bought them up and they got Fox and then they just abandoned the division and there's tons of stuff in Blue Sky that's worth mentioning you know I just a lot of these companies just disappear yeah yeah and, and like that's obviously you know hey that's something we can talk about because <laughs> I love those movies um, my and as as weird as the, some of the themes are like my kids love them as well yeah 
zombies or a kid that can talk to people. You know, Kubo is about kind of a sorcery type thing. Coraline's obviously about some dark stuff there, but I've always, I mean, I've loved Coraline because it, you know, tells the kids that your parents are, are cool. Uh, there's always something worse out there than your parents. So. Right. <laughs> For um, me, even though it's something that can be scary, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of cool overall message and appreciate your parents because they ultimately want what's best for you. Yeah, and that's usually the way you can tell the difference between like lower level animation and higher quality is the, pl- the plain simple fact is that there's a point, there's a message. And I think that's what Disney does best uh, now. And... Um, but I think back then they were so obsessed with like just regurgitating fantasies that we already knew. Like it was a safe play. Little Mermaid is a safe play. It, I mean, it wasn't very expensive, but what they did was invest in characters that you would enjoy, like the way they did with Oliver and Company, but also like just huge, epic, memorable songs, yeah. um, which became the big driving point of the formula. I don't particularly care for Little Mermaid. But that's just me because it just doesn't go towards what I want. I kept expecting Aquaman to show up. It's like, shut up! <laughs> Darn yeah. it! To get some action. Yeah, well, and then even stories like Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Pinocchio, these aren't, you know, Disney-owned stories. Every Everybody has a certain version of, of those types of fairy tales, and it's it's not original. Yeah. Uh, really. I mean, yeah, they, they, they put the big production in them and make them look very very appeasing to the eye and and everything that the songs especially are, are amazing i mean my i can't go to disneyland or, or california adventure without having to ride the little mermaid so my kids they, those songs are ingrained in their heads even though they've only seen the movie a handful of times yeah the um i think i think what the problem is in the animation in this and beauty and the beast i know this is sacrilege but they're trying to present something 2d in 3D, do you, do you notice how like they would move the faces and it would they would try to do it in a 3D way, and I just don't think it worked. It almost looked. Do you remember those really shitty um, uh, Legend of Zelda CD games from the early 90s? I believe I do. Uh, for on like the N64 type, or it was it was before N64. There was something called the CDI from, I want to say it was Panasonic, and they did animated games uh, for Zelda. And the way that the animation would move was really jarring because they're trying to get the face to move, but it just it doesn't work in two dimensions. And they avoid that in Oliver and Company and Rescuers Down Under, but they do it in both. I think maybe it's because they're trying to present something human, like they're, they're not rotoscoping it, and so it doesn't move the right way. That was throwing me off. But... um. I do appreciate, like I said, the quality songs, great characters in voice animation, and the fact that they had a real threat, which is something they ignored in Oliver and Company with, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but you know, the, the Leviathan Sight. lady. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the, uh, the the biggest thing, with, and you notice, like when you, you mentioned that, you notice like in Beauty and the Beast, there's, there's a couple of the scenes where they're capturing the rose petals falling off, and kind of, they're trying to move around that, that little uh, platform that it's on, and it does look a little wonky when it when the camera pans in that sense. Yeah. Uh, with animation. But yeah, so I, 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 I get what you're saying in that. The early 3D animation uh, did help, I think, in Beauty and the Beast. Sorry, I'm trying to move something. I'm running out of power. <laughs> My battery's on saver. <laughs> I'm trying to get closer to the outlet. Oh, how professional am I? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful You've only been doing this for so long. It's okay. Well, I did. I, 
We, were, we thought we were going to do this earlier and I forgot to... Good lord, I can't get to the outlet! No! Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, you, you can blame it on me. I, I said 12 and now we're sitting here at 2.30. I could remember <laughs> to charge it. I'm just a doofus. Professionalism every day. Okay. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Little Mermaid, go ahead. Was it me or was it you? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows anymore? Let's move on. Um... <laughs> Uh, Rescue is Down Under, another first time watch. I went to go watch the original because I hadn't seen it either. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like the atmosphere. But you can see there's a huge leap in 13 years in the type of animation they were working with. The, I feel like there's hand drawn, like literally hand drawn with almost like, you know, even coloring in the background in the original Rescuers. But you can see by the time that they're doing Down Under, they've they're changing how they do, they shoot it. You know, the camera angles and, and they're panning along and it's more three-dimensional and it's a huge adventure movie. And I think this might be the most underrated Disney movie I've ever seen. This is so good. Yeah, and it's, even though it's it's almost such a different style and almost a, a completely different set of characters from the first one, it's still a very enjoyable movie to watch. And even the introductory of, uh, I thought... <laughs> I thought it was a boy, uh, like a main character that gets kidnapped and it's kind of all, all about the, uh, the animals. Well, in reading the, the description, they said it was a girl. Oh, uh, this whole time I thought it was a boy too. Yeah, huh. yeah, exactly. I did too, but the description, if you watch on, uh, uh, the description that comes up when you're reading it, it says a girl. And I'm like, that's, uh, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything like that, but definitely, you know, felt like the character was a boy, but yeah. Uh, even even introducing that character and making you really care about this character because obviously in, in a lot of the movies now there's so much backstory in your characters whether it be animation or whatever characters on the screen they, they try to fill backstory with however much they can but kind of introducing this character right off the bat you don't get anything from where they're coming from whether they're at no backstory but just you're invested emotionally right from the get-go with the character yeah when and to give you only have so much time in the old animated movies because I, the kids, I mean, they're still kind of short. They're never really over two hours, but back then you're talking like 72 minutes and then credits because they believe kids didn't have the patience to sit through a longer movie and also because animation was so expensive. It wasn't the box office juggernaut that it is today. Yeah, yeah, and and even like Rescues and Under, you know, obviously as a playoff, Rescues original one, but you don't even see the, the characters from the first movie until a little bit into the movie. So you've been trying to get that familiarity with the previous characters. It takes, takes a little bit to get going, but again, like you, you care about the, the uh, main character right away once she gets kidnapped. Yeah, and, then, and I think Wilbur, uh, the character that John Candy plays, is one of the great comic foils. He, he seems like he's having so much fun voicing the character, but... I was laughing so much in this and also just really excited because this it's it's totally different than the first movie because like I said it's in the the bayou and this one's in the back you know the outback and I just thought that was a really great change without really losing who the characters were yeah yeah definitely and and even just that that you know celebrity type of of name to be put into the voice cast and and that familiarity like obviously once he starts talking you just know you know who he is yeah um so providing that kind of comic relief and yeah i mean i found myself laughing as well a lot of these these jokes and a lot of things that are on these movies aren't just totally geared towards children which disney i think does a really good job of sneaking in and they always have 
a couple of the adult type of, of jokes that makes the parents laugh as well, which yeah. I appreciate, uh, especially watching a, a kid's movie. But um, it, it's definitely an enjoyable uh, surprise. I mean, obviously, I, I read the credits and, and, and who was in it before, so I was expecting it. But it definitely, uh, it definitely is, is always a treat to, to hear that or, or, or to be able to laugh along with, with the kids. Yeah, and sadly, you know, this one didn't do well. Uh, they really put some time, and the reason why it looks different, by the way, is it was the first movie to ever use computer, like digital anim uh, uh, coloring. Uh, that's why it's so much richer than the, uh, the previous film. Um, but this opened the same day <laughs> as the biggest comedy of the 90s, <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they, they had to have known there was some... I remember everybody getting hyped for Home Alone before it ever came out. And for Disney not to have any, you know, like, oh, well, people are... There's a lot of buzz about this movie. Maybe we shouldn't open it the same day. <laughs> that seems like a kill. Because I feel like the rescuers could have done, you know, a couple more adventures. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it's definitely, especially with as different and as new as the second one was, I mean, you can do... You know, a rainforest one, you know, the Amazon, or you know, it really does open up the ability to do other things. But it, again, if it wasn't that popular, it's, it's sad that it wasn't. But when you're going against Home Alone and Nine Before Time, I mean, it's really hard to, to come out on top or have the motivation to keep on going. It's, yeah, it's I'm, I'm curious what came out against Little Mermaid. I have to look that up later. But um, the fourth and final film we're going to discuss is Beauty and the Beast, the absolute juggernaut that cemented that formula. Big sweeping musical numbers, newer style and animation, celebrity voices, but not, we haven't been completely drowning in it because it'll be the next year when Aladdin comes out is when everybody goes, we have to get big names and, and promote them. Beauty and the Beast is so beautiful in simplicity. And yes, another public domain, uh, domain story, anybody can do Beauty and the Beast. But this is the one that really locked in what we believe of that story. Yeah, and, and along with the, the, the cast of characters, too, I think the, the biggest thing with Beauty and the Beast is capturing uh, a character like Gaston. Uh, you know, yes, he's a villain, but I think that might have been like one of the first villains that was also a likable villain. Like, he has charm to him. He has uh, a lot of a lot of those, you know, you, see, you think of some of the classic villains uh, of Disney. He's, he's one of them that you look at and, and people like him. <laughs> yeah, he's um, obnoxious tool, but yet there's something yeah. endearing about. But of course, he does take that change at the end. You're like, oh no, this is really a villain. Yeah, yeah, and and he's. I think that's 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 the making of a good a good villain is is humanizing them a little bit. Obviously, like he was very arrogant, very very type of uh, um, cocky. He is a kind of a cocky character, but at the same time, like he he just. He wanted somebody in, in Bell to, to love and to have, and obviously he went about it the wrong way, but, you know, at times he was vulnerable or, or even like at, towards the end when, when he kind of knew he was defeated. <laughs> he, it, it humanized him a little bit in the sense where people can maybe feel for him, and, and obviously villains after that, you you know, there's villains like Scar, you know, you can definitely see, oh, he's, he's the brother that we never loved, or... You know, humanizing these villains and making them somewhat likable in certain aspects uh, was something that I feel like for him, he's one of the first ones that people can can like or yeah. can think, oh, well, he's kind of cool. Like, well, also what they did for the Beast, you know, taking such a tragic character who, 
you know, for children was probably scary, but giving him so much empathy and, and, and you can connect to him because of his curse. I think that was a, a and the fact that um, Belle is not a generic, you know, uh, damsel in distress the whole time. She's, you know, she's got uh, agency about her and that she's focused on trying to help herself and help everybody around her instead of like, whoa, it's me, some prince come and save me. Yeah, and, and she was a very kind of independent person, like in a lot of these movies at the time. You know, the 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 most uh, you know handsome, I guess, man is is vying for a woman's attention, and she's just supposed to be that damsel or that person that just gives into to someone because that's that's what's known or expected. And even even in the movie, you know, everybody thinks she's crazy because she's not in the Gaston like he is into her. And yeah, and, and that looks she's so lucky. What's what's inside of you is more. It could be more beautiful than what's on the outside. Yeah, and everybody everybody thinks she's so lucky because you know she has someone like him and his status and his his successes or looks. You know, I'll tell people like, hey, you should be with this person, but still having that mindset not do so, and and it's a really great message because people think she's crazy, like her dad. Yeah. Well, and then <laughs> of course they think he's crazy too. They think they're just both weird, you know, weird eccentrics that you know should be in the loony bin. Yeah, yeah, and because of social norms and then not succumbing to social norms which yeah. is you know a bit of a rebel type of story and I think you know especially nowadays when everybody is their own person and there there isn't there isn't anything that somebody has to do nowadays but I think that kind of gets lost on this movie where at the time like and if you're if you're a a woman or you know if you were a damsel back then like you had to be with the most handsome person or you know, it's kind of was expected, and if you didn't want that, like you're crazy. It's so weird that that happened then, and no one called it woke. Whereas now, I don't want to get super political, but now it's just like every time there's a female lead, oh, this movie is woke. Oh, the person's yeah. not a white man. <laughs> it's woke. Yeah, I mean, I, I think stop. nowadays people, yeah, people rely so much on the labels and and what something is, and uh, it has to be labeled. But yeah, I mean that 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 adds yeah, a political conversation. I, I I don't care about it. I just if I like something, I like it. But you know, looking back at a movie like this, or even even like with with the Little Mermaid, like challenging social norms where you know and i mean forgive me if it's a bit you know elementary but you know a, a, a fish wants to grow legs and walk and be amongst people like really that's that's a story and you know even though mermaids don't exist that's that's an obscure and kind of absurd wish of somebody even in a movie they're like you can't go do that and you know she did she she defied what was impossible and kind of set her heart and her mind to what she wanted to do and you know went in of course a different way dark magic and all that stuff but she did it like she she ended up happy because she wanted to be amongst the people yeah i think we we're warmed up the idea a little bit because five years earlier we had splash with tom hanks and daryl hannah where she it's kind of a little mermaid story mm -hmm. have you seen that one yeah oh, yeah it's a very long time ago yeah not, you know not the uh, it, people were mad that they took the nudity out on Disney Channel, and I was like, the nudity wasn't necessary. Okay, sometimes if it's important to the story, okay, but if it's completely like for titillation, <laughs> stop it. We have the internet. If you want to go look at boobies, <laughs> they're there. The whole internet's filled with. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, the one thing I want to say about this is the linchpin in what making a lot of these movies work is the music from Alan Menken. And I'm just looking at his songwriting right here. There's an era where he did Little Shop of Horrors, 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Newsies, Aladdin, Pocahontas. I mean, this guy was just a hit maker. Maybe the movies weren't as successful as his music, but you can't deny that they had to have been such a big influence on uh, on the success of these films. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, who who doesn't you know sit through Little Mermaid and sing along with it now? Whether it be, um, you know. Uh, oh, it gets under the oh, sea. But yeah, uh, under the sea, yeah. it definitely is a, a fun, bouncy one and a whole new world. Is that Aladdin though? Am I wrong? Yeah, it's, it's Aladdin. Aladdin. Yep. Shoot. Okay. Yeah, whole new world, Aladdin. But I mean, even even those like you, th- those are that's a lot of my childhood. Those songs and, and my kids. Like I said, we ride the rides and those songs are all over those types of songs as well. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, I, I very much like the you know the Gaston song, uh, or even at the beginning the beginning number of. Uh, forget the name of it but it goes you know there's you know there's something there that wasn't there before. oh yeah yeah you know just just you hear those songs and it takes you back to that instance where you're watching and, and singing along um, with that or you know guest on you know kill the beast and <laughs> going through that number and, and everything have you seen the live uh, action remake uh, yes i have i've seen it once is it good um, it's okay. It's it's. I mean, and here's the thing with a lot of those. You, you have such of those expectations of the animation. Um, I I felt like Gaston should have been Buffer. <laughs> yeah, that's what threw me off when I watched him in the uh, the original. I was like, oh yeah, I know. I, mean, I can't remember the guy. He was one of the bad guys in Fast and Furious Seven, I think. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, oh no, he's not even close to being the right size. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, just little things like that, like. I mean, which which you you compare to the cartoon, you know that that's me comparing it to the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, so you gotta you gotta obviously, and it's hard to do because I watched the cartoon obviously when I was a kid, and you have nothing else to compare it to other than that. So if you watch this movie as its own standalone type of thing and have it that way, I mean, it's very enjoyable still. I think it was it was kind of um, it was kind of cool and and, and to bring up like. The whole aspect of um, I forget what uh, the name of the character is um, his sidekick. Oh right, right, right. I think in the in the live action one, they actually went ahead and announced that he's he's gay. Well, he's clearly he's in love with Gaston. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and 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 you see, you know, you watch the cartoon movie, and you don't you don't think that, um, but then I think it was a cool little twist to kind of keep up with the times. Yeah. Um, to, to, to promote it and to make sure you know you let people know it, it, it's kind of okay you know back then you might not have been able to to, to say it in a cartoon in, in the 80s but obviously like even watching the cartoon now like you see like yeah this guy like he loves Gaston <laughs> trying to remember I mean, what the the name of the character is but I can't see I'm even looking through Wikipedia but or, I, I might as well just stop but yeah I was curious about that one because you know they're going back and remaking a lot of them and I just I keep expecting them to announce doing Little Mermaid. I, I think aren't they kind of working on one right now? Am I wrong? Um, I think so. I know they did like a lot of um, a lot of like movie and Broadway type stuff recently. Yeah, uh, but it's hard to film. I mean, we saw Aquaman, but that thing cost like three hundred million dollars to replicate water, and it's just gonna be very expensive and time consuming in order to do. So Little Mermaid may be even production, <laughs> but it's just taking so long. Yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, they, they came out with with Aladdin live action. They came out with um, this, you know, Beauty and the Beast live action, and, and doing a lot of, like that that whole mold of doing things live action. It kind of re- 
you know reintroducing everything for a new generation, which is yeah. is cool. But it also has those those steep steep expectations from from the people paying, like the parents. Yeah, I, <laughs> when you call it live action remake, it's really difficult because like with Lion King, isn't it one hundred percent like just photorealistic CGI? Not, I mean, maybe the backgrounds are just. Can you imagine just someone filming at the desert, <laughs> the jungle, yeah. whatever, and just like, what are we focusing on? I don't know what to do here. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, it's 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 an a visual lion. You know, of course, they're talking and still have the the, uh, the actual dialogues and things like that. But you know, that that type of, of remake like that to to bring realism to something like that is is I think you know kind of what. What for a while there they were, they were just churning those type of, of movies out and those types of things. I mean, The Lion King. I, I, I mean, I, I love the, the animation a lot more than the live action. Uh, it's just it's just kind of the way it is. I know you know you have the stars in there, you know Seth Rogen and, um, and things like that. But it, it's it's really hard to to not hear Pumbaa's voice and, and think back to the cartoon. Yeah. And that so that's what I had with Jungle Book. I just kept going, mm, I like this, but I feel like Christopher Walken is only being cast because he's a name, you know, and the same, I mean, yeah. Bill Murray worked, but Christopher Walken, I was like, no, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't work for me, but, yeah. I mean, they're going to keep doing them, the one that I wish they would redo is one I mentioned earlier was Black Cauldron, because they never actually finished the story, they ran out of money, and so you only have a, an adaptation of half a book, and it wasn't even that big of a book, it's not like Dune where you kind of get it was like wow this movie's like three hours long we're gonna have to cut this somewhere you know <laughs> but with the black cauldron it was just uh, just money reasons but now with the streaming they could literally just do two uh 90 minute right. movies Seriously. and just piece yeah. them together yeah and i know like like certain like stories similar like i mean the black crystal is so big uh in what it is in the movie that that was out was just a portion of the whole story. So yeah, a that's a creepy movie, movie, by the way. That, that is unnerving. <laughs> I watched it for the first time a couple years ago, and I go, I'm a Muppets guy, but I can't, uh, ooh. Yeah, Those vulture creatures make me kind of nauseous. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Or even like the, the melting, like they die, they melt or like decay type of thing. But yeah, anyway, man, the um, 80s was even, weird, man. There's some creepy <laughs> stuff going on in kids' movies. <laughs> yeah, but even, even movies like that where, you know, that movie you know, however long it is, I think two, two hours for being a kid's movie. It's just a portion of the story. Yeah. And back then, Jim had such a huge idea of the story and where he wanted to go with it. And since then, obviously, they've made prequels and Netflix series of them, and I don't see why they can't do the same for Black Hole. Yeah, and so the next chunk of movies we're going to discuss is probably, you know, starting with Aladdin. I think that's the next big one. And then uh, moving on, I've never seen Pocahontas. We have Lion King and is Hercules after that? No, no, it's a Hunchback, right? Hunchback and Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, those will be the next four. I was trying to look at some movies um, that weren't from the Disney because there were some competitors. But it's just too hard to find some. Like I was, try I've never seen We're Back, a dinosaur's tale. Have you ever seen that movie? Dinosaur's Tale. It sounds very familiar. It's John Goodman. Uh, it's a comedy from Spielberg, and he released it the same year as uh, Jurassic Park, but it didn't make any money. There's a whole run of Universal Studios movies that nobody ever talks about. Everybody talks about the first two, you know, American Tale and Land Before Time, but no one ever mentions like Five of Goes West. We're back. Balto. Balto had like four sequels, but no one ever talks about this movie, so I'm curious about them. I remember all those movies. I think uh, Five, o, Five o Goes West is one of 
one of my favorites as a kid. Give them the um, praise! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, obviously with the American Tale and introducing the character there, like, uh, being a, a little mouse, I mean, and being a shorter guy, I can relate. <laughs> Going on these big adventures and, 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 and connecting that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, those those are awesome movies. Uh, those movies, for sure, are, are kind of not as well-known in the animation sense. I, mean, I remember We're Back as well. I remember the, the huge promotion they were doing for something like that, but We're Back um, as a kid and seen commercials of that. Yeah, so many of them just like went by the wayside. Page Master, do you remember that one with oh, uh, Macaulay yes. Culkin? There oh, was, uh, and then there was the uh, failed Don Bluth comeback. He had made a whole bunch of generic lower-budget movies, like Pebble and the Penguin, and I think... Uh, uh, Princess, and the, whatever, I don't can't remember, but I remember he did Anastasia and Titan AE, and everybody thought they were going to be huge, and they just didn't connect, and I think those are kind of forgotten as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, Page Master is, is like one of the first movies, I mean, like Roger Rabbit, you know, which is obviously huge, like kind of creating that animation and, and real-life action type of back and forth I mean obviously it, it, it's not very prevalent in the page master the beginnings live action and then it kind of gets in the cartoon mm-hmm. so it's not as well done as Roger Rabbit is I know we've had that those discussions on Robert, Robert right Rabbit. I mean that's really yeah, the goat of all of those yeah. until you oh, get yeah. to like Space Jam and back in action when they put real money into it it's yeah. you really can't compete with Roger Rabbit yeah I mean I mean so it's a mix animation and live action you, you, I mean especially for what it was at the time like there, there, there's nothing better. I mean, that's that's when I think animation and and live action together. Roger Rabbit is my number one, always, yeah. always number one, and just how well it was done. I mean, the, the characters, you know, not 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 any any kind of of uh, pre-existing characters, new characters. Roger Rabbit. Uh, I mean, Christopher Lloyd's character, like just amazing, and 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 what he did for that movie and, and everything like that. Yeah, so much care, and, and the thing is, is the animation, like the era we're talking about right now, a- animation's still looked down on. It, it, it's, only Disney is making money, but as we progress through these episodes, we're going to discover, like, oh, now DreamWorks is in charge, and then Blue Sky is a strong competitor, and all these guys, because it, it's not just the big studios, everybody is trying to get at least some foothold. Like, you'll have uh, Miramax with uh, Hoodwinked. And, you know, Alliance Gate's going to try theirs with Alpha and Omega and the Battle for Terra and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, and I mean, even, even nowadays, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's an animation that's coming out and it's, it's not Pixar or Disney, right now it's DreamWorks. I mean, they're, they've done, obviously, really successful with the Shrek franchises and, uh, and doing some how to train your dragon. animation. Yeah, yeah how, to, how to Train Your Dragon. And, and I mean, look at Despicable Me. Like... That's, a, that's an amazing series, and like, who doesn't love a minion, right? Right, and, and Illumination, yeah. I mean, well, we loved it. We had the little farting one on our desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they've yep. gone beyond that. They're now doing the Super Mario movie, which I'm super excited about, because if that's successful, maybe we'll finally get a Legend of Zelda! <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I know the Legend of Zelda is such such a crazy, I mean, undertaking that as much fandom as there is on it. I'm, you know, I've got, I've got Link on my arm here. Um, There's a tattoo, so that's, that's one of my favorite of all time video game characters but um yeah i mean that'd be very interesting to see and i know you know with, with certain things like universal's even doing like with they're gonna have a mario world in in hollywood like wow for, for their stuff i don't know if you've seen any of the uh 
Super Mario World in in Japan that they did. No, I have not. Yeah, so they're in their theme park. They they have a a Mario Super Mario World. That's really cool. Uh, I just know that. Yeah, there's look it up, man. There should they're supposed to be doing one in in Hollywood here, uh, in California. Mm-hmm. So that that like once that opens, I mean, man, like <laughs> that's gonna be pretty crazy. All right, so that's the end of this episode. I look forward to not making everybody wait two years. <laughs> so hopefully in the next... We're probably going to do these like quarterly. Uh, it depends on our time, whatever. So we can do like, you know, four or five episodes a year. Um, so, Andrew, thank you for being so patient, being a wonderful guest. Of course. Anytime, Michael. I mean, you know, you know I'm really willing and able to share my nerd up in <laughs> and with you and everybody who listens. So. Yeah. Anything you want to plug before we go? No. No, not at all. I mean, I'm just a simple person, so. Yeah. Um, I just want to check. You never know. Um, That is it. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter under Hit Rewind Podcast. Subscribe, share, and comment what you think of any of the episodes and anything you want us to cover. And that is it for tonight, everybody. Have a good one.